Welcome everyone. As we continue through the book of 2 Timothy, we are in chapter 3, and we will be going from verses 10 through the end of the chapter, which is uh, verse 17. Uh, so if you haven't done so already, I encourage you to go ahead and grab a Bible so you can follow along. And uh, as you're doing that, I'll go ahead and give us a very quick recap of the teaching from last time, which was um, verses 1 through 9. Now in that section, we see that Paul was describing uh, that in the end times, which was um, at that time for Timothy and Paul, but also is uh, for us now, the time between where Jesus um, was, uh, when he ascended into heaven and when he's going to return, that, that is considered the end times. So now in the, the last days, uh, Paul gives a list and describes of what some of the characteristics of what people will be doing. And he says, I won't read all of them, but some of them, but people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, and the list goes on and on. And then Paul says that among these types of people, there are those who... Um, let me just read it so I can uh, get it accurately. Creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions. And these people are always, um, these false teachers are always learning and never able to come uh, to a knowledge of the truth. And then he refers back to um, a story with, with Moses. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding faith, but they will not get far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was those of the two men, Janus and Jambres. So that's what happened right before. So now, in contrast to these false teachers and uh, and people who, who live in this uh, wicked way. He says in verse 10, You, Timothy, however, have followed my teachings, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and at Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Now, I'll stop there for a minute um, and start with saying that Paul, throughout this letter, has, has compared and contrasted, not compared, but just contrasted a lot of the false teacher's way of life um, versus the, a man of God's way of life. Uh, so we see that the uh, heretical teachers um, just teach false doctrine. He says, Timothy, you are to teach the accurate doctrine, uh, correctly handle the word of God. And he's going to continue to do so in this section. And he says, you have followed my teaching, right? That's um, one of the first things that we see that the heretical teachers are doing. They're, they're teaching false doctrine. So in contrast, you, Timothy, have followed my teaching. You know that it's right. And you have also uh, followed my conduct. Uh, that word there when it says have followed, it's this idea of not just blindly following, but it has this connotation of uh, close quarter uh, discipleship. And, and I think that's, that's a really helpful picture to see that um, 
Timothy was in, in very close proximity to Paul, and uh, and I like using the the um, imagery of working in the trenches together. So Timothy was 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 there with Paul for long periods of time. So he had heard Paul's teaching. He had probably been there when Paul was writing some of his letters. So Timothy was uh, familiar with the um, accurate teaching of Paul. And not only that, but his conduct. How did he conduct himself? What's intriguing to me is this idea that Paul was a tent maker. I, I, want, I wish that we could have some more insight as to how he uh, conducted himself with dealing with a difficult client, right? But Timothy would have seen how Paul conducted himself, um, how he acted, uh, and, and we know that Paul was probably a very loving person. Not only did Timothy get a chance to see the way that he conducted himself, but his aim in life, Paul's aim in life. What do we know about Paul's aim? Well, he had, um, from his point of conversion, sold out as a follower of Jesus. Uh, we can even see uh, how he lived his life. We go back to chapter 2, uh, going uh, from verse 8, right? Remember, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Here it is. Therefore, verse 10, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So, Paul sold out and he's living his life um, in such a way that he's willing to endure persecutions and hardships for the sake uh, of the elect that uh, those um, people who have been chosen from um, before time began, uh, when they hear the gospel, that they would uh, repent of sins and turn towards Jesus. That's what Paul is living for, all for the sake of Jesus. So you have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, his faith. Uh, this has more to do, uh, not so much believing doctrine, but um, putting his trust. So you've seen uh, my, my personal trust that I ha I've had in Jesus. My patience, um, maybe not so much circumstantial, which probably would be included, but mostly has to do with, um, I, I would suggest, when he was... Uh, having difficult conversations, maybe with some of uh, the false teachers or or Jews um, or Gentiles, he had a lot of patience with uh, dealing with with these types of situations. So um, next one is his love, right? Jesus uh, calls um, us to love, and Paul would have been an example um, in that, in being um, a living example of just how to live that out. And next one is going to be his steadfastness. So we'll see right now as we go through uh, some of what happened to him while he is at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. But his steadfastness, his ability to endure um, throughout the hardships um, as he endured persecutions. So we know that he endured persecutions and suffering. Um, and hes it's really interesting that he's bringing to mind the specific events that took place at these cities. And he's calling Timothy. Timothy would have already known about this, but he's reminding Timothy of these things. Uh, and so, um, this is all in Acts uh, chapter 14 and 15, I believe. 
um, also in 16, I suppose. But uh, it starts off with uh, Paul and Barnabas going to Antioch. So they go to Antioch and they get there and uh, it's Sabbath and they go to the Jewish synagogue and uh, one of the leaders or I don't know, a few of the leaders send a message uh, to Paul and Barnabas uh, and say they recognize them as travelers and say, hey brothers, if you have a word from the Lord and you want to share, please uh, do so. And so Paul gets up and he he just uh, preaches his heart out um, so much so that at the end of their time, the Jews were just begging them to come back the following Sabbath uh, to continue sharing uh, about um, Jesus and this gospel message that, that they uh, shared that day. So they come back the following uh, Sabbath and it says that almost the entire city was there and the Jews saw the large crowds and became jealous. They became jealous and because of this uh, they started, here let me just turn there, uh, they started to um, stir in the uh, crowds um, to turn the crowds away from them. Um, this is chapter 13, I think uh, I said starting at chapter 14, but it starts in chapter 13 and 14. Um, and it says in verse going down 45, but the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what Paul uh, spoke, reviling him. And we'll jump down to verse 50, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and leading men of the city stirred up persecutions against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. So from there they left and then they go to a town called Iconium. So they get there and they start preaching and both uh, Jews and Gentiles are, are believing this, are coming to a uh, faith of Jesus. But verse 2 in chapter 14 says, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. And then after that in verse 5 we see that uh, because of uh, what the Jews, unbelieving Jews had done, um, that there are there was a group of people that were going to try to stone Paul and Barnabas. So Paul and Barnabas were made aware of it and they leave and then they go to a town of Lystra. Now they get to this town of Lystra and they see a man who had been crippled since birth and he was probably begging outside or something like that. And Paul goes up to him and Paul heals him. And the, there was crowds there that started to develop and they started crying out and they, they started thinking like, oh man, Paul and Barnabas are, are the Greek gods that have manifested themselves in our presence. And they called Barnabas Zeus and they called uh, Paul Hermes. And then the uh, priests of the temple of Zeus, I don't know, maybe it was nearby, they came out and they, they started bringing things so that they can offer sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. And Paul Barnabas were like, no, 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 stop this, stop this. Um, we are just um, men with a likeness um, similar to yours, uh, and with a nature like yours. Uh, we have come to preach this gospel. We want you to turn away from these uh, worthless things and turn to a living God. And they were saying that in front of the crowd, and the crowd was just continuing. But here it is. It's almost unbelievable. Verse 19, but the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, where, where Paul and Barnabas were just that, and they persuaded the crowds, and then they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, 
supposing he was dead. If you don't know what stoning is, it's when they take rocks and they throw them at you until you die. And so they did that and they stoned Paul to the point where they thought he was dead and they took him outside the city. Paul suffered persecution. But look at what God did. Now the disciples gathered, verse 20, about them and then Paul rose. He spent the night and the next day he went with Barnabas to a city called Derby. Wow, it's, it's a miracle that Paul was able to get up after that. And, and even as I read the story, I kind of feel like a little bit of a wimp sometimes. But here's something that's even more amazing to me. That city of Derby is uh, 60 miles away from the town of Lystra. Uh, just to give you a little bit of perspective, if you're in Lenore City, Tennessee, and you're going to Knoxville, I believe that's about 30 miles. So the distance going from Lenore City to Knoxville and then back would be roughly 60 miles. Imagine walking that. Uh, for us here in California, if, from my apartments in Sherman Oaks, going to Disneyland is about 44 miles. Uh, so it, it it's just incredible, um, this resolve that God gave to Paul uh, for the sake of the gospel and for the glory of Jesus. This is the type of persecutions uh, and suffering that Paul endured. So now let's go back to Second uh, Timothy. And then he says uh, that in verse 12, Indeed, all who desire... Oh, sorry. No, no. I want to go... Sorry. One more thing in Acts. After they had gone to, uh, to Derby, uh, they had preached the gospel message, people were coming uh, to know Jesus, uh, and then they went back to Iconium and Antioch, which is amazing to me that they would even go back there after being treated so poorly, but they go back there, and now there's, there's believers in each of those cities. So they go there, this is chapter 14, uh, verse 22, they were strengthening the, the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. Here it is, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Paul goes back with Barnabas, to these new believers and says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Now, this was pretty early on in Paul's ministry. And as we go back, now we can go back to 2 Timothy. This is the end of Paul's life. Now let's go to verse 12. And he says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We've talked about persecution uh, in, in previous recordings, and here it is. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, this is in contrast, again, to the, the false heretical teachers. Uh, the false heretical teachers are not being persecuted. Their life does not... Uh, call for a type of persecution. They are just living in such a way where where they have a form of godliness, but denying its power. They they are not upsetting whole synagogues uh, for the to the point of people wanting to persecute them. They are not even believing uh, the true doctrine. They're they're teaching false doctrine. But in contrast, again to these right verse thirteen, uh, or I guess not in contrast, but Paul continues um, with with these uh, evil 
um, heretical teaches. Verse 13, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now in contrast, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. So, Paul has endured persecutions, the false teachers don't. The false teachers, they will continue going from bad to worse. We have seen this idea of a progression um, earlier in, in chapter 2. We see that Paul says that uh, the type of actions that they do just leads to more and more um, ungodliness. There's a, a progression for them, and it just leads from bad to worse. They are continuing on this trajectory, and this trajectory is them deceiving others purposefully and they are also being deceived and it even says in the other pastoral epistles that they are believing this um, a doctrine that is from satan basically and verse 14 but as for you continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed what has timothy learned well he has learned uh, about correct and accurate doctrine that paul has has taught and, and not only that um, but he has firmly believed it. He's walked in it. And he says, knowing from whom you've learned it. Well, he's learned it from Paul, and he's, he's just went through some of the, the things that, they, um, that Timothy is aware of in Paul's life. Timothy is uh, aware of the persecutions and how he, um, his steadfastness through that. Paul, uh, Timothy is aware of Paul's teaching and the way he conducted himself. Paul's, uh, Timothy is aware of all of that. And so he is aware of the character that Paul has and sees that his teaching is, uh, corroborates with his lifestyle. And not only that, he encourages Timothy in verse 15, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now this goes back to chapter 1, uh, when, when Paul says that he is reminded of a sincere faith, Verse 5, um, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and is sure dwells in Timothy. Timothy grew up uh, in the Old Testament scriptures, and that's uh, mostly what it means here by being a part of um, the sacred writings. The sacred writings uh, refer to the Old Testament, so um, they... Uh, let's see, uh, Timothy's mother was of Jewish descent and his father of Greek descent, but even in that unique um, um, type of union of um, a Jewish woman and a Greek husband, uh, it's still likely that Timothy grew up knowing the scriptures. And so, Paul saying, but even since you were a, a child, you have been acquainted with the scriptures, the holy scriptures. Now, these scriptures um, would, well, let's just say that, that it, it refers to the Old Testament. And it says, they are able to make you wise for salvation. And I think what he's saying here is that the Old Testament um, gives you wisdom, revelation, and understanding of God's character and what he um, requires of us to a certain extent. But then Paul adds here, that the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation. Now, here is a new revelation through faith in 
Jesus Christ. So it is the Old Testament hope um, with a future, um, uh, what am I trying to say? So in the Old Testament, there is hope given of a future Messiah that is to come. So in that, Timothy would have been aware of uh, a future Messiah that they are looking forward to. So with that understanding and with the revelation of now Jesus having come to earth and had gone to the cross to be a sacrifice for our sins, and now that through faith in Jesus, we can have forgiveness of sins and, and we can have life. And not only that, we can have life now, but also we have a future life that we look forward to with our bodily resurrections. And so, uh, in addition to the Old Testament scriptures, it seems likely that um, Paul is also um, bringing in the idea of uh, the gospel, which is um, which would have been started with the words of Jesus, uh, which is authoritative, right? And so the Old Testament scriptures, along with uh, the sound doctrine of the gospel. So now for us, what does that mean? It's it's probably not just limited. Uh, to the Old Testament, but it must include it. We must include the Old Testament and also bring in all of the writings of the New Testament. But uh, Paul encourages Timothy in verse 16 that uh, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Uh, Paul wants to remind Timothy of whom the uh, sacred writings are from. They're not just from uh, merely um, human authors. Uh, I'll pull up a, a verse right here in Second Timothy that, uh, sorry, Second Peter uh, that talks about this a little bit. Um, it's Second Peter, chapter one, verse. Um, let's see. Well, okay, Second Peter 1.20 says, Above all, you know this, no prophecy of Scripture comes from uh, the prophet's own interpretation. And then the next verse says, Because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So starting from um, the Old Testament, God, um, through the Holy Spirit, uh, worked and uh, carried them along uh, and provided the insight and the words to say um, that uh, became the scriptures. So we can trust that all scripture is the word breathed out by God. Now, when we hear breathed out by God, it, it should remind us of maybe the Old Testament when um, God breathed life into Adam. And so, uh, for me, when I, I think of this imagery of God breathing, it's he is the author. The scriptures are from him. We can trust him. We can trust the authenticity. We can trust the words um, because we know who God is. But also for me, there's this idea of um, there's life found within the scriptures. And it says here, so we know who, who the scriptures are from. They are from God. And here's the utility. What are, what are the scriptures for? So they're breathed out by God and they're profitable. 
opposed to the teachings of the heretical teachers, which is not profitable. It, it is just for ungodliness. It, it causes a gangrene to the hearers, remember? So in opposition to that, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Teaching is going to refer to uh, doctrinal teaching. Um, let me see, I had some notes here. Uh, so, sound doctrine of spiritual truth, uh, which is namely about Jesus. Uh, the next word is going to be for reproof, or also translated rebuke. Um, it's this idea of using the truth of Scripture to uh, convict error, or maybe to expose or convict false doctrine. An example of this is uh, 1 Timothy 5.20. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. Another one in Ephesians 5 verse 11. Don't participate in the fruitless work of darkness, but instead uh, expose them. Or that word expose is the same word, rebuke them. The next one is going to be correcting. So the sound doctrine and uh, and rebuking has has more to do with uh, doctrinal issues, or we could also say the orthodoxy. And then the next two may have more emphasis on orthopraxy, which is uh, practically how this is played out. So then the next one is correcting. Um, so we. We shouldn't just give a rebuke and leave it at that. If someone is doing something, uh, believing a false auction or living uh, incorrect, incorrectly, um, then just exposing it or rebuking it isn't sufficient. But what we need to do is also um, aid and give direction, uh, practical steps um, in living out the truth of Scripture. So uh, correcting a person's actions for correct living essentially. So that's correcting. And the last one's going to be training in righteousness. It is it is as it seems. It's for the purpose of practicing uh, being Christ-like. Scripture is good for training, for practicing in becoming more and more like uh, Christ, as opposed to the heretical teachers whose irreverent babble leads to ungodliness again. In verse 17, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Now, Paul is talking specifically to Timothy here, um, but this is also applicable for us. So, Timothy, all scripture is from God. It is profitable for teaching. It's profitable for uh, correcting false understanding of doctrine. Uh, sorry, for rebuking um, when when there's a false teacher that has wrong understanding or teaching wrong things. If someone is living an incorrect way, um, it is good for correction and it is good for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete. Now, um, complete has this idea of being fully equipped, that the man of God, that Timothy would be fully equipped for every good work. Now, this should um, ring a bell just uh, in chapter 2, remember that um, Paul was talking about in this great house, there were vessels of gold and silver um, and wood and some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. But he says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful for the master of the house, ready for every good work. 
So here is uh, what Paul is encouraging Timothy uh, to be a vessel that is prepared for every good work. And how is he going to do that? By being a part of the scriptures, by having the scriptures um, so much about his life, because they are profitable for uh, for teaching, for uh, rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. It's going to be uh, a holistic set for him, um, prepared for everything that comes up for his life in ministry. And it is also true for us uh, as believers. Scripture is sufficient for everything that we need um, as we pursue uh, this life of um, following Jesus. So to, to just quickly um, summarize um, all of this, uh, Timothy, uh, Paul is just telling Timothy that, that he is aware of uh, encouraging him and telling him, Timothy, you're aware of my teaching, you're aware of my conduct, my way of life. You've seen the persecutions um, that I've uh, gone through, you're aware of them. Um, and, but you, Timothy, need to be prepared uh, because if I went through them, uh, it, which started because Jesus went through them and Jesus said that we would go through them. And if I went through them, guess what? You're going to go through them too, which means church, we are probably going to go through persecutions as well. Um, and it, let me see what else. So, um, so yeah, the persecutions, um, unlike the false teachers who, who don't experience persecution like that. And Timothy wants you to continue what you have learned because uh, you are uh, aware and know the character um, of me and of your grandmother and of your mother. And uh, you are know the, the truth of the scriptures um, from that you learned from when you were a child. Uh, and Timothy, the, these scriptures uh, that, that include the Old Testament and include the Gospel of Jesus, um, they are from God. Excuse me. They are from God and they are trustworthy because you know the source who is God. And they are good and able to equip you for every good work that you may endure and come uh, into contact with uh, as you follow Jesus.